You're listening to the FIC podcast. National Director John Stevens gives an update on the latest lockdown guidance and the implications for churches. Well, let me be very briefly to just some very quick um, um, updates on where we are with lockdown um, at the moment. There's not a great deal to say, but a few things that it might just be worth um, uh, sort of pointing you to. Firstly, obviously, it's very sad and tragic news that this week we've um, clicked over to 100,000 people who've died in the UK from uh, covid um, uh, some uh, scientists are anticipating that, that this is by no means the end. It may well be up to 150k who will die in the end. It's worth recognising that this second wave has been very significant. Uh, at the end of October, 60,000 people have died. So that gives you something of a sense of the scale of what's happening over this uh, period. Uh, there are mixed signals uh, at the moment on the duration of the lockdown restrictions. Uh, on the one hand, um, comments being made that even though over 50s will be vaccinated by the end of March, some kinds of restrictions will be likely to continue on into the summer. It seems unlikely that schools um, generally will go back after half term, but there's obviously a lot of pressure to get schools and particularly primary schools back as quickly as possible. So um, it, it's really hard to read the signals um, uh, uh, coming out of government. It's a bit of a mixed uh, kind of message. My anticipation is still that this lockdown is likely to last longer than um, we would um, uh, sort of have imagined, and we need to be ready for that. Um, the impact of that onto events uh, through the year is becoming obvious. Spring Harvest have cancelled their um, events at Easter. You know that Glastonbury was cancelled a summer festival. I think this is going to be the increasing pattern that it's not going to be possible to organise events like this. People are not able to book summer holidays um, in, in the way that they anticipated. Worth noting for churches that um, fines have been increased for unlawful gatherings of more than 15 people. Those have now been raised to a fine of £800, increasing up to a maximum of £6,400 for multiple offences. It's worth saying, despite the way it's been reported, this is not just for people having parties, it's for unlawful gatherings of all kinds. So that could impact on um, uh, Christians who seek to gather together, not in ways that are permitted um, by the law. You might have picked up today that the Archbishops of Canterbury and York have issued a national call for prayer, urging people to pray at um, uh, sort of six o'clock each, uh, each evening. Um, I've recorded an interview for that on TWR News, which will be um, out on YouTube. I thought it was a pretty insipid um, call. It was a call to pray, whether you've got faith or no faith. There was no indication of who you should pray um, to, what you should pray for. The hope of the resurrection was mentioned, but no mention of the fact that you need to personally respond to Christ in order to receive that hope of the resurrection. I think in many ways, the way that this national call for prayer was articulated reminds us of the sorry spiritual state of our nation. Of course, we should be praying, but let's be praying with gospel hope and with gospel uh, prayers. Um, one article I picked up this week that I thought was really interesting was on the Think Theology website. That's a website of a group of New Frontiers pastors. Um, again, I'm urging us to keep learning the lessons of lockdown that God might be teaching us. It's easy to put all of our energy into um, railing against the lockdown restrictions. Maybe there are things that we need to reflect on. I found that really helpful um, uh, and it might be useful uh, to you. Webinars that are coming up in the next few weeks. We've got an, a, a programme of webinars. Uh, we're going to be covering a number of things, a medical update uh, on the current situation from Peter Saunders. Um, we're going to think about how we respond to the cultural moment of COVID with Dan Strange is going to help us think about that. Uh, leading volunteers in COVID and beyond, uh, Ray Evans. Um, we're going to look at the uh, Passion for Life mission in 2022 and how we can look ahead to evangelism in the future. And then how as pastors and leaders, we can keep being refreshed with Johnny Prime and others. 
Also to note our FIEC local conferences are starting this week. Obviously they can't meet in person, but we've got about 33 local conferences for um, local leaders. I'm going to be starting in North Wales and Liverpool um, this week. It's a great opportunity to get together and encourage one another, hear God's word. Um, please do um, book in. We'd love to see you at our local conferences as they get started. Right, John, one for you as we uh, come to a conclusion. Uh, John, this is about serving the vulnerable. Um, so the question is, can we have vulnerable people in our home who are not part of our social bubble? And they're especially thinking here of a recovering uh, addict um, who's not in their existing household bubble. They've already got a bubble with others. Can uh, the pastor serve them in, in that sense? Um, I can't answer definitively. Nothing I've read would suggest that you can do that, that you can welcome them into your home. That's what bubbles are there for. You can go and visit a person who is a vulnerable person to provide them with care and assistance. But I don't think I'm aware of anything that says that that can happen the other way round. So you can go to them, but I'm not sure that you can welcome them into your home unless they're part of your bubble under the way that the current legislation is drafted. The fact that they're in a bubble and that they're somewhere else suggests that they have other social contacts. And the problem is that what you're describing is really wanting to add to that, whereas actually the legislation is all about preventing you from being able to do that in order to minimise the amount of social contact that we have. Uh, thanks, John. So uh, the, the advice is go to the person, but the person shouldn't necessarily come to you. I think, I think that's probably the best way of interpreting the legislation, although, as I said, not been asked that question before and I can't be totally definitive about it. Can I just add a caveat to my answer about vulnerable people? I should say we just must also bear in mind the importance of being able to have support groups. So there is specific provision for having support groups of people who are vulnerable, which includes specifically those who are addicts. And you can have a support group of up to 15. Um, that doesn't mean it has to be 15, it, it can be any size. So if you are functioning as providing what in effect is properly a support group, of care and therapy for that person, that would fall within that exception. That's just different, of course, from having ordinary social interchange. Um, but yes, you could uh, have a valid support group um, that is directed to somebody who's in that vulnerable category, even if it's actually only one person who's being supported. Great, thank you. Thanks for listening to the FIC podcast. For more resources for church leaders, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app and visit our website at fiec.org.uk.